Welcome, everybody. We're glad to have you here. Welcome, Facebook Live. We're clapping for you. I'm laughing right now. Kim Jacobs said, great. Mr. I've heard Mr. Ramsey on the radio before, but never realized he's so funny. Uh, I mean, I guess on the radio, you need to lighten up a little bit. I, I don't know. Um, people watching from all a lot of warmer places than we are here. Welcome to you. My parents are watching online. My parents never watch me online. So hi, Mom and Dad. Yeah, Dave's here. Glad you're here. Welcome to all of you, and uh, we're glad to have you. Dave Ramsey's in the house, everybody. Are you excited? Um, We've got, we've got students here from Lincoln Way that are here giving, they were given extra credit so that they could come and be here. Isn't that awesome? That's so great, you guys. Way to go. That's so fun. Because his curriculum is taught in the schools as well as, you know, for the rest of us. And some of you are like, you know, who's this Dave Ramsey guy? You don't really know what's going on. You're going to figure that out. And then for a lot of you, he's like an Obi-Wan, right? I mean, he's like, because he changed your life when it came to money. And that same thing is true for me and for my family. And and I I hope that you're going to enjoy this. We've been doing Not Your Average around here as a series. And the reason we did it is because Dave was coming in to do this. I mean, Not Your Average Finances is a big part of what 2020 ought to look like for you. But we started talking about Not Your Average Prayer with Jabez, and we prayed that as a church, and I wish I could unpack what the things that God is doing about Campus 4 and other things along the way, but God's doing a lot of great stuff. Then we talked about Daniel Determined, right, Not Your Average Faith. And then last week we talked about such a time as this, Esther, and and how she was brought to this place. And I want you to know that that's what Dave Ramsey is about. He's the guy who was put here for such a time is this. He's the guy that that has a radio show. It's the third largest reaching radio show in America. 14 million weekly listeners. That's more than me. He has... um, like by a, a lot. I, that was a joke. And, 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 you know, 11 million copies of books and, and so on and so forth. Like I said, many of you have been through this. We're encouraging you to go through Financial Peace University because we want you to have peace. But here's the deal. I got to speak at his company this week. He has about 1,000 employees, and it's a great time to get to be down there with his people. And we trade off, and he's coming back up here. But I want you to understand that the reason that they do this is to point people to Jesus. And some of you are like, well, I'm not going to be a preacher. I'm not, you know, uh, what, how, what am I going to do? How about if you just do what you do really well and do it to the glory of God like Dave Ramsey is, and people are going to be drawn to Jesus by no matter what it is that you're doing in your life. And that's, that's so important to us. I want you to know that. Um, Dave, I've uh, been trying to get him to, to be here for a long time. He doesn't get to do a lot of these things because he's got a regular job and a regular life. For some reason, January in, in in Chicago was his choice. Um, we legalized uh, gambling and marijuana in January, and and I know gambling is not it, so I don't know about the other one. I'm 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 sure it's not the weather, but ladies and gentlemen, are you glad? Would you welcome with me my friend Dave Ramsey? Appreciate you, boy. You, bud. Appreciate you, man. That's what good friends do. They do stuff like that in the introduction. In Tennessee, we say stuff like, that boy ain't right. So uh, we, we love Tim and, and Denise. My wife, Sharon, has been on mission trips with Denise, and we've gotten to know these guys are some of our 
good friends, and I don't know if you know this or not, but your pastor is one of the leading pastors in the United States today and one of the most well-connected. Y'all give him a round of applause. There's quite a couple. <clears throat> so my good friend calls me up and he says, Dave, do you, do you believe in free speech? And I said, sure. And he said, good, I want you to give one. <laughs> so here we are. Let's pray. God, you know I can do these talks by myself. They sure are better when you do them. Holy Spirit, we turn this time over to you. Help us to all be what you want us to be in a way that causes you to smile. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you grew up like I did, not rich? Rich people were mysterious animals. They knew stuff we didn't know. They lived on this mysterious area across on the other side of the tracks. I grew up in Antioch, Tennessee, and these mysterious things called rich people were over there. And I took off the college and worked my way through college and now they call that child abuse. And I um, <laughs> met my wife, Sharon, and um, I'd like to just say we got married, but it was worse than that um, <laughs> because we were, we were stupid. We were just a couple of ignoramuses. We were enthusiastic ignoramuses, but we were a couple of ignoramuses. And, and we didn't know anything and we didn't do any pre-marriage counseling. We didn't talk about God. We didn't talk about anything. We just went down to her little Baptist church where she grew up as a kid and got hitched. It wasn't even really married. It was just hitched. And so this is a dangerous way to start your relationship with a lack of knowledge. We moved to Nashville, moved into a little one-bedroom apartment. We're eating off a card table driving a 1902 Pinto. How I many of y'all started out broke? You remember? You remember, we ain't got money, honey, but we got love. You remember that? So we started off our lives. And um, my wife, after about three weeks of being married, Sunday morning comes along and she remembered that she was a Baptist. She had forgotten to tell me this in any previous conversation, but apparently it's a doctrinal thing. Once you're a Baptist, you're always a Baptist, and it's a big deal once you get married that you're a Baptist. And so and we're in Nashville. Now, Nashville is the buckle of the Bible Belt. There's more Baptists there than people. <laughs> so Sharon comes in on Sunday morning and says, we're going to church. Well, I'm a hell-raising, beer-drinking hillbilly. <laughs> I'm not going to church. I said, honey, I don't go to church. Where'd you get this idea? We hadn't talked about this. You can't just come in and discover this. I'm a Baptist. Yeah, that's great. You know, it's Sunday. On Sunday, we drink beer and watch football. What kind of a woman are you? Well, this conversation didn't go well, as you might imagine. It was a big old fight. She gets mad, and she's crying and throwing a fit, and got in a car and drove off into the middle of Nashville. Didn't take her long to find her tribe. So 
she wandered in the back door, some little Baptist church there, went to, went to church and went forward and the little Baptist, pe- little Baptist elders prayed for her heathen husband. And this is not going well. This went on for months, every Sunday morning, repeat. You're going to church. No, I'm not. You're going to church. And she'd cry and have a fit and run off. And, oh, my Lord, is bad. And about this time, one of my beer drinking buddies, there's a lot of beer in this story, but um, <laughs> he was dumber than a rock too, and just like me, he, he talks me into getting into one of these multi-level things, you know, the thing where you make all your friends mad? And um, <laughs> so we could get like, we could get rich and get a yacht and, you know, because you need a yacht, everybody needs a yacht, you know, so you could get rich and get an island or whatever, you know, we, we wanted to live the dream or whatever, and so... Um, he talks me into getting this thing. Let me tell you how dumb we were. He and I were dumb. We were so dumb, we would go to happy hour and then go make sales calls and couldn't figure out why we couldn't make sales. <laughs> Brains. So anyway, obviously the business is not working. My marriage is not. So he and I decide we need to go to one of their pep rallies, their schools to learn how to do the business because obviously we, weren't, we hadn't got our yacht yet, so something was wrong. So uh, we get in the car and drive from Nashville, Tennessee, down to Birmingham, Alabama, about two hours south of Nashville, to the Alabama Theater to an all-day event. Now, in my mind's eye, emotionally, the Alabama Theater holds 10,000 people, and we were way up in the back. Have you ever gone back to your grade school and noticed it shrunk? The Alabama Theater shrunk. I went back down there. We did an event there a couple years ago. It holds 800 people. It's a tiny little thing. But in my mind, at that stage of my life, it was a big deal because all the guys that I wanted to be were on the stage. And the last guy to get up to speak was the guy I wanted to be. He had the yacht and the airplane and the island, and he had a check that said he made $400,000 a minute or whatever it was, right? And I want to be this guy. This is who I want to be. I want to be like this guy. So he already had credibility, and we had written down a bunch of things that if we could learn these four, five, six things, we could learn how to do the business. And it was if he had the four, five, six things as his talk. It was the outline for his talk. So he had credibility before he got up there. Then he read our mail. Well, by the time he finished, and he was a great speaker, by the time he finished, he owned us. Anything he said do, we were going to do. And he said, there's one more thing. And I said, well, what is it? He said, if you don't know God and you don't meet his son Jesus, you're going to struggle in business. Because business people who treat people, their customers, like a transaction, instead of treating them like a relationship, like Jesus teaches you to do, struggle in business. Businesses who don't take care of their team and they treat their team like units of production instead of relationships struggle to attract high quality and keep high quality talent and they struggle in business. You need to know God. And I looked at my buddy and I said, has he been talking to my wife? All right, we got to find out about this God stuff. That's one more thing we got to do. So we go back to the Holiday Inn, and in the nightstand, there was a Gideon's Bible. So me and Daryl, my other brother Daryl, we get the Gideon's Bible out. We open it up. It's King James, Shakespeare, and Jesus. The chances of these two rednecks getting through this is zero. I'm just saying, there is no possible way. We closed it, but I did go home. I told my wife, I said, we're going to church. And she said, who are you and what have you done with my husband? (laughs) So we started visiting all these churches. Have y'all been to those churches where people are not having fun? Looked like they were weaned on a pickle. (laughs) 
I don't understand. If there's a God, you ought to be a little bit jacked up about it. Hello? Oh, my goodness. So anyway, we wander in the back door finally, this little church, about three, 400 people. And this is old days, man. This is 40 years ago. People wore ties, you know, Sunday go to meet and close. Preacher wore a tie. If somebody's wearing shorts, it's because they had surgery. You know, I mean, nobody, right? I mean, everybody dressed up to go to church. And, and, and church was a little bit more stoic even in the wild churches in those days. And so, uh, I mean, we're in there and we're sitting on the back row. You know, when you're visiting a church, you have to sit on the back row. That way you can eject if they get weird on you, right? And so... Slip out. I think, I think, I think, I think, I think we got to beat the Methodist to lunch. I'm out of here, right? So, and, and so we're sitting on the back row, and this woman in the choir raises her hand like she knew the answer to some question. And then she raised the other hand, and she started swaying. And other people started raising their hands. And I told Sharon, I'd never seen that before. I told Sharon, I said, if they get snakes out, I'm out of here. Well, they didn't, and we kept being drawn back to that little church as we learned about God later and learned about scriptures over the decades since. We have since realized it was the Holy Spirit, Spirit wooing us. The presence of God in that place was manifest. It was very real. And the old pastor was old school. It was a little bitty church, and so you remember old days, people, preacher would stand at the back and shake everybody's hand as they left. There's only 300 people. And his wife would stand back there. She's a big old squishy woman. She'd give you a big grandma hug, you know. And, you know, those people, they were just real people, and they loved God, and God's Spirit just dripped off of them. And the quality of their character was so winsome, it was so attractive, that before we knew it, we were in the baptism, accepting Christ as our Savior and changing our lives. It's an amazing, amazing thing. I do everything backwards as I was only in that other thing for a couple months, long enough just to get me in church, God's providence, right? And I started buying and selling real estate. That was my next way I was going to get rich. And the only difference is, and this was like before cable TV, I was doing flip this house. I mean, Chip and Joanna weren't born yet. So, <laughs> so we're, we're, you know, we're doing flip this house and, and I got rich. Starting from nothing, by the time I was 26 years old, I had $4 million worth of real estate, a little over a million dollar net worth, and I was making $250,000 a year in 1986. That's $20,000 a month. I don't know what neighborhood you grew up in, but the neighborhood I grew up in, we called that rich. And it was fun too, y'all. We were having fun. You know that car you always wanted to get? I always wanted to get a Jaguar, so I got me a Jaguar because nobody in my neighborhood could spell Jaguar. <laughs> you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm riding in my Jaguar, man. Within 90 days, baby, I was a Jaguar. You know, it's like... Right? So, you know, it's like We bought my wife some sparkly things, and they weren't big enough, so we got her some more. She liked that. We went to Hawaii, rednecks in Hawaii. <laughs> that water was so blue. It's unbelievable. I never saw anything like it. We loved it. It was warm all the time there, y'all. Did you know that? It's unbelievable. You know what? We, we liked it so much. You know what we did? We went back. Now, sometimes I hear these people say, all those rich people are miserable. Uh-uh. Now, I'm not here to tell you money will make you happy. It will not make you happy. Money will not heal you. Everything will not be okay when you get some money. Money will not heal you. Jesus can heal you. 
Money will not save you. Jesus can save you. As a matter of fact, when you get more money, what it's going to do is it's going to make you more of what you already are. If you are kind and giving and compassionate and generous and you get money, you become what we call a philanthropist and you give so much that it changes entire communities and even cities or countries. If you're angry and you get money, you become, Lord, help the people around you. If you're depressed and you get money, you will become more depressed, not less. The good things in your character and in your life will get bigger, and the bad things in your character and your life will get bigger when you get money. It's the great magnifying glass. And the crazy that's around you gets crazier. And there's crazy in every family. Y'all know that, right? If you think there's not crazy in your family, that means it's you. (laughs) So quickly identify who it is so that it's not you. So everything was going great, y'all. But I had done some stupid stuff. Y'all ever done anything stupid? How many of you have done something stupid with money? How many of you didn't raise your hand to have a problem with lying? (laughs) Some of you have done little stuff with money. I I, I did stupid with zeros on the end. I have a PhD in D-U-M-B. I had $4 million worth of real estate, $3 million worth of debt, a million dollar net worth, $250,000 income. And I had borrowed too much money. It was on short-term notes because we were flipping this house. And these bank, the bank got sold to another bank. And the guy in another city looks down and said, a kid 26 years old owes us a million two on real estate. This is freaky. Let's limit this relationship. We were not late. But they called our notes because they freaked out. And they had the right to because I'm stupid. Because I signed a piece of paper that let them do that. And we spent the next two and a half years of our life losing everything we owned. We were sued. (laughs) We were sued so many times. The guy with the sheriff's department that brings the lawsuit papers became a friend. (laughs) Sharon's making him cookies. Come on in, Harold. Got cookies on. We were foreclosed on. And with a brand new baby and a toddler and our marriage hanging on by a thread, finally we were bankrupt. I remember standing in the shower where it's so hot I could just barely stand there and I would just stand there and cry because I was so scared. I was terrified. I got babies. My wife thinks I'm an idiot because I'm an idiot. I don't know what to do. Number one cause of divorce in North America today is money fights, money problems. We did not get a divorce. We're hillbillies, we fight. We didn't get a divorce, but sometimes we held on to each other just to get a better grip. Y'all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) She's from the hills of East Tennessee. Frying pan throwing there is an Olympic event. So, So we hit bottom. And I'd like to tell you I bounced back, but I didn't bounce back. I sat around and blamed everybody else. You ever do anything stupid and blame other people? Turns out McDonald's does serve hot coffee. (laughs) I mean, you got to decide in this world, are you going to be a victim or are you going to be a victor? 
you going to wait on somebody else to fix your life or are you going to? Are you going to reach your hands up into those nail-scarred hands and say, give me a get him up, God. I got to go. I need some help here. Are we going to sit around? I sat around whining for a while. Finally, I got up and started moving around. And in the middle of that, I had an I surrender all moment. And I'm not talking about a Baptist altar call where everybody's waiting for lunch. I'm talking about I really surrender. Jesus was my Savior. But in that, he became my Lord with a capital L. The Lord means you're in charge. I'm not doing it unless you want to do it. What do you want me to do? Try it my way. I'm really smart. I work really hard. I tell the truth. I still crash. I want to know what is the right way. Because I didn't know. I didn't know how to be a daddy. I didn't know how to be a man. I didn't know how to be a husband. I didn't know how to handle money. I have a degree in finance with all these other letters and licenses after my name. And I did make $4 million by the time I was 26 years old, but I was so stupid I didn't build it and I built a house of cards and it fell in on me. Turns out the Bible says, he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. See, I didn't know that. Get rich quick doesn't work ever, ever. Will not go unpunished. Ouch. My heavenly father, I discovered, is crazy about me, and he wrote me a love letter. You too. He's crazy about you, and he wrote you a love letter, and he said, shows me how to, how to be married and how to have kids and how to be a leader in a business and how to handle money and how to handle a church and how to live. And I'm in here reading about marriage, and it says, submit yourselves one to another. Oh, crud means I got to dry dishes. <laughs> I'm flipping through here. My kids are like, dad, what's this rod stuff? I'm like, come here, baby. I'll show you. <laughs> Some of you don't like that, but you're what's wrong with North America. So, um, <laughs> oh, my kids were not abused. Shut up. And now I got grandkids and grandkids are the best. If I'd have known how great grandbabies are going to be, I'd have been nicer to their parents. But um, <laughs> do you know there's 2,500 scriptures on money and possessions? The people of Israel and how they interacted with money and possessions. The book of Proverbs is full of how to handle money. If you read Proverbs over and over and over again and understand it, you eventually will have a master's degree in finance. It's in there. You will be so wise. By the way, it's a book of wisdom. It wouldn't hurt to add a little into the mix. And, and just over and over and over. And, and you know, I, I got the opportunity to change. I've got a bunch of youngsters on my team. Pastor mentioned that I've got about 1,000 folks on our team or 900 and some change right now. I'm approaching 1,000. And I, a bunch of them are young, and uh, I'm old, so I'm just old grouchy guy. So I love them, though. They're, they're smart, and they work hard. And I go over, and one of the little 27-year-olds is doing the stuff he's supposed to be doing wrong. And I'm like, hey, Bubba, don't, don't do it that way. Look here, we do it this way. This is the, here's why we do it this way, and here's what you do. You know, show people why also, right? Now, here's why we do it, and here's what you do. And he said, okay, okay. I come back a week later, he's doing it wrong again. I'm like, man, I just showed this to you. you, you look, don't do it that way. Do it this way. I come back a week later, he's doing it wrong again. I'm like, boy, we're going to set you free in Jesus' name. <laughs> That's what you do at a Christian company. You don't fire them, you set them free in Jesus' name, right? <laughs> so 
But you're going to be excellent, son. As work, do your work as under the Lord. There's a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things. Do them the right way. And he looks at me and he says, but I'm not like you. And I said, okay. Change. <laughs> he said, I'm sorry. I said, Change. You have the dignity to decide to do things the right way when you're doing them the wrong way. You've been instructed properly, my son. Change. You know, God does that. He looks at me, says, my son, you're not treating your wife right. You need to change. Now, I have the dignity to decide if I want to listen or not. God doesn't make you do anything or me do anything. But he whispers in my ear and says, you know, you were a jerk. You probably ought to apologize. Yes, sir. Change. You know, you need to think about things before you run your mouth. Change. He talks to us, doesn't he? You know what I'm talking about. And, and when we're walking the wrong way, doing something we're not supposed to be doing, in Christianity we call that sin. It can be big sin, little sin. We can all go about that later, but it's wrong. Doing it the wrong way. And God says, stop. And when we stop, we turn and we decide to change. In Christianity, we call that repentance. I was doing something the wrong way and I stop doing it and I turn 180 and I start doing it the right way. It's, an, it's a decision and it's a decision he gives you the right to make. But if you continue on the path, pain is on the other side. Be assured. Believe me, I know I've experienced it because I'm thick. So there's five things that if you do them with money, 100% of the time, your money will change. They're in the Bible. I didn't make them up. And if you don't agree with them, you're what's known as wrong. <laughs> I love saying that. Because you see, I met God on the way up. But I got to know him on the way down. So my need for affirmation on these subjects is zero. I'm real comfortable with and confident to the point that some misunderstand and call it arrogance with the surety of what Scripture says. And to the extent you're not doing it that way, you need to really consider the idea that you should change for your own good. Not because God's liking to punish you. He loves you. He's got a plan for your life. It's not to bring you harm, but to bring you hope. You heard these scriptures? So, first one is get on a budget. A written plan every month, every dollar has a name. Jesus said, don't build a tower without first counting the cost, lest you get halfway up and you're unable to finish. And all who see you begin to mock you and say, this man began to build and was unable to finish. I started a tower without a plan and I blew it. I started a month without a plan and there was too much month left at the end of the money. <laughs> the mind of man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Planning is all through scripture. I'm just waiting on God to show up. He's waiting on you to get up. <laughs> There's this fine thing between our faith and our works and how they work together. James talks about it so clearly. We have to get up and get with it. And God, Paul wasn't sitting at home when the man from Macedonia visited him in a, in a vision. He was heading somewhere. They just redirected him. 
So the first one's get on a plan. Get on a plan, a written plan. Zig Ziglar used to say, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. No one wins by accident. accident. Accidental winning is not a thing. People who win know how they did it. The Super Bowl next weekend, at the end of the thing, the little lady will run out that's about this tall and talk to these great big guys, right? You know who she is. And, and she'll go, and so what happened? And none of the guys that won the game will go, I don't know, I just got off the bus and it just happened. <laughs> winning is an intentional act. You don't get the trophy unless you run the race. It's an act. I'm, in, I'm deciding I'm going to be different about my marriage. I'm deciding how I handle my career is different. It's an intentional act. No one accidentally wins. Write it down, plan to win, build a tower, first count the cost. If you work for a company called You Incorporated and you manage money for You Incorporated the way you manage money for you now, would you fire you? Don't answer that then don't pray and ask God for money because God is obliged to always answer your prayers. One of the possible answers to your prayers is no. We just don't, I think I, think I must have not heard that clearly, Lord. <laughs> no, I said no. And so my son, who's turning 16 years old many years ago, looks at me and he says, Dad, I want to get a brand new Corvette. And I said, I've seen you drive, my son. You're incompetent. No. I'm not giving you a car with 465 horsepower with fiberglass wrapped around it that can go 0 to 60 in 3.1 seconds. You will kill yourself and someone else. I'm a loving father. You are not competent to handle what you think is a blessing. It will become a curse. The answer is no, my son. You will be given an old Chevette with a tired gerbil under the hood. <laughs> and like the man in the parable of the talents, the man who managed the money well got more to manage. The man who didn't manage the money well got it taken away from him and given to the other one to manage well. And the master said, who is a, it's a parable, the master is God, looked at the man and he said, at the end of the parable, Jesus' own words in your red letter Bible says, my son, when you're faithful, in the little things, then, then you will be given more to manage. And as my old daddy used to say, not until, then and not until. Don't be praying and asking God for money when you're irresponsible, immature, disorganized, and wasting everything you got and spending like you're in Congress. He will answer your prayer. <laughs> he will answer your prayer and say no. Because have you ever seen somebody get money that wasn't ready to handle it and it ruined their life? Your loving Heavenly Father's not going to give you what you think is a blessing but is a curse because you're unable to handle it. You have to build muscles to be able to hold that. You're faithful in the little things. Then... You'll be given more to manage. You're faithful in your job today, you'll get the raise. You're faithful in the job today, you'll get the promotion. You're faithful in your job today, somebody will steal you if that jerk company you're working for doesn't give it to you. Faithful. Be worthy of trust. Trustworthy. And then we're going to get out of debt. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower slave to the lender. 100% of the biblical references to debt are negative. No, it's not a sin, and no, it's not a salvation issue. But 100% of the times that debt is mentioned in the Bible, it's negative. It's a curse. You're a fool. You're a slave. 
All these things and adjectives come around you and me when we go into debt. There's no time in there that's good debt that God used a a bond issue to get the Israelites out of the valley because the Amalekites were going to kill them. It wasn't there. No one time did God bless his people with debt. It's just not there. It's nowhere in there. Well, there's certain times, no, certain times that we're dumb. 100% of the references to debt are negative. Biblically speaking, debt's stupid. I don't know if I agree with you. I know, but you're what's wrong. No one's wrong. Like my pastor used to say, a man with an experience is not at the mercy of a man with an opinion. That's tweetable. <laughs> Get out of debt. Borrower is slave. The lender. We get out of school, Sally Mae has her own bedroom at the place. We got master cards. Since we're slaves, we need a master. I went and bought a car I couldn't afford for my wife because I wanted it. (laughs) Went and bought a house I couldn't afford. We spent the first five to seven years of our marriage trying to attain the same standard of living as our parents, only it took them 35 years to get there. There's only one way to do that, go deeply in debt. People come in our office, look like this all the time. They're strapped. They can't breathe. Their marriage is on the rocks. They're stressed. They're having anxiety attacks. They're having all these things, and it all comes down to a look at their lives, and they can't breathe. They're, so, they're under so much debt. They have so many people pulling at them. All they do is work and pay bills. All they do is work and pay bills like a rat in a wheel. And they're like, Dave, can you get me out? Yeah, baby, I can get you out. I've gotten millions of people out, but it's going to hurt, and you're not going to like it. It's going to take a while. Two things you don't want to tell Americans. It's going to hurt, and it's going to take a while. What have I got to do? You have to, first thing you got to do is amputate the Tahoe. This stupid car payment is killing you. You're kidding me. No, I'm not kidding you. Well, God gave me that car. No, he didn't. <laughs> Don't blame stupidity on God. It makes you look dumb. What do you mean? I'm sure. I prayed about it. I think it was the Holy Spirit. It was last night's pizza. <laughs> How do you know? I'm positive God did not give you this car. How come? Your car payment's $900 a month. Your household income's $1,100. I'm positive God did not give you. This is my life right here, y'all. I'm positive God did not give you this car. How do you know? The Bible says very clearly, the blessings of the Lord have no sorrow added to them. And this is a sorrowful mess, my son. You need to sell your stupid car. Well, you're not very nice. I know, I ain't got time. I got somebody else to talk to. You ready? Next. I'm sorry. Showed you what to do. Now let's go do it. Get out of debt. So we got our credit cards out and we had a plastectomy at our house. (laughs) Plastic surgery. Chopping them up. Citibank, what's in your wallet? Money. (laughs) Ah, discover, discover bondage. Okay, good. Chase this. Oh, Victoria, she's got no secrets. Okay. (laughs) Unbelievable, man. You don't have any credit cards? Nope. Don't have any debt. Quit borrowing money. You don't have any payments. You know what you got? Money. <laughs> Give all your money to everybody else. Work your tail off. Got nothing. You're working for the man. You're being controlled by a system. It's hard to serve two masters. You'll learn to hate one and love the other, the Bible says. Borrower slave to the lender. You hearing this ring? Is this ringing? This is my wallet. Green president's faces. Four pieces of plastic in here. My debit card, which requires money in your account. 
my debit card on my personal, my debit card on my business, my driver's license, and my handgun carry permit. <laughs> Redneck south of Chicago, huh? Okay, all right. This is the southern end right here. I'm telling you, okay. All right. We decide we're not playing anymore. We're not going to borrow money. So next thing is, is you need to foster high-quality relationships. You become who you hang around with. Be not deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. You talk like the people you run with. You make the same kind of income like the people you run with. You treat your wife or your husband like the, same, like the people you run with. You read the Bible if the people you run with read the Bible. You pray if people you run with pray. You're generous beyond belief if people you run with are generous. The next thing is you need to save money. Number four, in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. Grandma said it. She said, save for a rainy day, visual aid. <laughs> it's going to rain. Better get ready. It's going to rain. Stuff's going to happen, isn't it? Bumper sticker assures you of that. Things are going to happen. Going to be a car wreck. Going to be somebody gets ill, somebody gets laid off. Transmission goes out. This one I never understood. An unexpected pregnancy. Say what? <laughs> if you save money because you're out of debt and you're running around with people that do and you're on a plan, it'll lead you to the last one, which is outrageous generosity. God loves a cheerful giver. Generous people are highly attractive. Generous people smile more. Generosity is not an action. It is a character quality. It's like integrity. You are a person of integrity, so that affects the things you do. You are a person of generosity, so that affects the things you do. It's a decision to be in a position to answer when someone needs help. Oh, yes, we're giving to our local church. That's a standard rhythm for the Christian. We do that. But I'm talking about who you become. You're the person that opens the door for someone else. You're the person that picks up the groceries when they fall out of the bottom of the bag and they're rolling all over the parking lot. You're, you're the person that lets other people talk in the conversation about themselves. You ever meet people can't do that? There are people that are takers and there are people that are givers. And you get to decide which one you want to be. And you get yourself in a position because you're out of debt and you save money and you got a plan that you can be a blessing because the Bible says we were blessed that we might be a blessing. It doesn't say you were blessed so that you felt good. You're a channel through which God works. And that's where you'll get your most joy. And I need to close up because they told me at 30 minutes is where the Holy Spirit leaves. So, um, <laughs> But I want you to try this as your last assignment. Other than going through Financial Peace University and learning how to really do all this stuff, we'll get into the weeds and show you how to do this stuff, okay? So you don't have to live like this, you guys. It's possible. You can, you can, you can really win in this area. You really can. I've shown millions of people how to do it. I know you can do it. I've met people just exactly like you. I love people just exactly like you. I am people just exactly like you. I'm so proud of you. Some of you just turn the dial just a little bit on a couple of areas. Your life's going to blossom. It's just this close. Faithful in the little things so that then, then, then 
you'll be given more to manage. So try this one. Thanksgiving or Easter or next holiday, I don't care what it is. You're getting ready to go to grandma's house for a feast. Get the kids ready 30 minutes early. Leave the house 30 minutes early. I want you to drive on the way and take a, take a pit stop, and I want you to pull up in front of the Greasy Spoon, the diner, the Huddle House, or the Waffle House. Y'all got Waffle House right here? Why don't you pull right up in front of the Waffle House? Some of you are shaking your head. Yes, some of you know, so y'all have to inform each other, okay? But, so I want you to pull up right in front of this place. You know, it's a little, little place with a fat, fat, or a little quick breakfast thing, you know. And there's a big old window right there where you can see all inside there like there's a movie going on. You know what I'm talking about. You park right in front of the thing with your family. Keep the family in the car. Leave the car running. You're not going to be in there long. And I want you to get out, and I want you to walk in there. I want you to order a cup of coffee and sit right in front of where your car is. And she'll come over and she'll pour your coffee. And then uh, you're probably not even going to drink the coffee. You're going to grandma's house. But I want you to sit there just a minute more. I want you to get four of these Uncle Benjamin Franklin $100 bills out of your pocket. Because you're on a plan and you've saved money and you're out of debt. And, and I want you to slide them under the cup. And then slip out. And go get in the car and go, hey, kids, turn your screens off. Watch this. God's getting ready to show off. Y'all watch God show off. Watch this. Let me tell you what will happen. I've seen it. She, she, she'll come over and she'll pick it up. <laughs> she wonders if it's a trick because it's been so long since anything good has happened to her. Because you know who's pouring coffee in that kind of place on Thanksgiving morning. Somebody needs a job bad. You just changed their life. You just paid her rent. You just changed her net worth. The next thing she'll do is this. And then 100% of the time, whether she's a person of faith that's prayed every morning for 20 years or hasn't said a single prayer in 20 years, 100% of the time, the next thing she'll do is this. Thank you. Because any human being on this planet knows the breath of God when they smell it. And she just had an encounter with the Holy Spirit brought to her by you. She just smelled something she hadn't smelled in a long time. It's called hope. She just had an experience that's completely different. I dare you to have more fun with $400 than that. I want you to enjoy your money and do some nice things with your family. But I dare you to have more fun with money than doing stuff like that. Catching somebody that looks like they're having a really bad day and you just pick up their gas at the pump. I don't care. You pick up the guy, the service man who's working and he's been out here defending our country and you pick up his meal. The guy who's a policeman and he's out here got his head on the line every day and you pick up his or her meal. I don't care what you're doing, but it's time for us, we the people, to start loving. We the people. It's time. And we got to get our acts together to do that. (laughs) 
and your kids are watching through that windshield and your kids will never be the same. They see that rhythm of mama and daddy, mama and daddy always gave. Mama and daddy were always had some Jesus money in their pocket. They always were looking for an intersection with the Holy Spirit that something was going on. They could always listen because we were never broke because we were always on a plan because we stayed out of debt and we always saved money. You know what those kids will grow up to be? Incredible. That's what they'll grow up to be. You're changing your family tree. It changes everything. It changes everything. All because you decided to change. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for these people. We thank you for this incredible church and this incredible pastor and his wife and our dear friends. And God, we just ask you to bless all of them. Pour blessings out that will blow their minds. Protect them, Father, from the evil one who would steal. And Father God, just, just give them a sense of the ability to delay pleasure to win. Show them in your scriptures how you want to grow them up. Take them to where you want to take them to be. God, we just love them so much, and we know you do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks, guys. Bless y'all. We uh, really want that for you as a church. We, we don't, we, we're not trying to get money out of you. We don't want you to get out of debt so you can give us more money. We want your life to be free. We want financial peace for you. There's a text number on here. If you want to get signed up for this nine weeks, you've heard him teach now. You don't mind hearing more of it now that you understand. We have groups meeting every night of the week. You can jump in. You don't have to be at a campus. You can be in somebody's house. Your group can do this together. We really, really want financial piece. We've canceled all of our other stuff. We're trying to push everybody in to doing FPU. The thing that I told Dave just before he came out, the thing that means the most to me, my son-in-law works for him, but, but the thing that means the most to me is that all of my children get this. It didn't matter for us because when we were in 1986, we were making $20,000 a year. So we couldn't get a credit card. We didn't have to worry about credit. We, we had to learn how to live this way from the beginning. But my kids have got it, and now my grandkids have it. My grandson's five years old. He's got an FPU junior bank, and he's saving up for a Transformer toy. Do you understand that? That's called delayed gratification. I mean, yeah, I'll probably just buy it for him anyway, but, I, but, but at least he's trying, right? He's saving. That's so important, and we want that for you. Hey, as a church, we want God for you. We want whatever we can do to help you on your journey. Stand with me. We're going to worship out of here. Thank you for being here. God, I just pray that you'll be with this place as we, as we go. Be with Dave and his team. Thank you for them and what they do. Continue to enlarge their territory and bless them indeed and, and that your hand would be with them, Lord. Keep them from evil that they might not cause pain. Be with us all as we do this. Thank you, and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.